0: Thank you, Stephen and Randy, for leading us, leading us in our singing portion of our service. Uh, we're excited to be here today with you. It seems like this, uh, this shelter-at-home thing continues on, and as long as it does, we're going to be together and uh, worship you in home, and of course with your family and us here as we... Uh, Record this and get it ready to be played for you, and uh, we do pray that it will bless your hearts as we sing, and as we pray, and as we study the Word of God, that even though things are somewhat uncertain, and we don't even know when we'll be able to try to get back to normal, and who knows what that normal will be, Uh, but we still are trusting the Lord and looking to Him for His grace and for His concern and love for us. You know, I, I'm a city slicker. I was born in South Baltimore at uh, South Baltimore General Hospital. And uh, as, we, as I grew up in, in a pastor's family, my father uh, moved us to a, a, a farm. It was actually a sod farm. And they grew grass, because uh, not the kind of grass that some people think of today, but they grew grass and dug it up and shipped it down to uh, the big suburbs around uh, Washington, D.C., and rolled it out, and people had instant lawns. But we lived on an old, in an old farmhouse. It was over 100 years old, you know. And in the summertime, the front door would swell up so bad that you couldn't shut it. And you know, I'd grown up in Baltimore City where we locked our doors. We locked our car doors, we locked our house doors. And it took me quite a while to get used to this, this house that you couldn't really shut the door. It would only shut part of the way. It would shut in the wintertime and then air would come through it. I always talk about that house being having air conditioning in the winter and heat in the summer. But that's one of those farmhouses, and uh, yet I remember having nightmares about what would come uh, down through that door in the middle of the night. One of my friends said, oh, you're in the country. Why should you be afraid? Well, since that time, I found out that even country people have fear too. In fact, all of us, if we were honest, would admit that we are afraid of something, and even though this virus seems to be abating, we're still afraid. We're afraid of the disease. We're afraid of losing a job. Some of us may very, may very well have lost their jobs. Uh, some of us are afraid of how it's going to impact our life and our family and, and our futures. And it's really human to be afraid. I've heard it said that Christians should not fear but if we wanted to re- uh, recognize that we're human, we'd have to admit, yeah, you know, sometimes we do fear. God gave us fear as an emotion to be able to respond appropriately at times of danger and, and um, importance. And, and yet at the same time, we don't have to be controlled by that fear. Our emotions uh, are there to help us, but not to control us. And so we need to kind of consider this virus and all the things that are happening to us and begin to local uh, put our, our trust in our Lord Jesus for all the things we're doing in our local world and in the global world around us. And I think we need to consider that. In his book, which was appropriately entitled Fear, John R. Oliver quotes a learned doctor who had under his observation and care a patient who all of the sudden was possessed with fear, and that patient gradually grew worse. One day, the physician had a chat with his uh, patient, and this is what he told him. He said, so far as my experience goes, the people who do not seem to be assailed and poisoned by fear are those who believe and practice the Christian religion." And by the Christian religion, he went on to say, I do not mean a religion man-made or man-given, but the Christian religion as it was established and delivered to 12 eyewitnesses by a person who was both God and man. This person did not merely live in Palestine 100 of years ago, going about doing good and then disappearing forever forever. To be to some immeasurably distant heaven, but he is by means of his own appointment still present on earth, still walks with men, still has earthly habitations where he may be found, and is more intimately united with those who follow him now than he ever was during the days of his human life in Galilee. I tell you, the doctor said, that people who believe and practice the religion that centers around this personality seemed to have an antidote against fear. And of course, he was talking about Jesus and the fact that Christians have an antidote against fear. When George W. Truitt, a great preacher of yesteryear, was planning to preach a week at a great university that had called him to come, he wrote and he asked the student council what they wished him to do, what would they like for him to speak on. And they sent back a reply with only one request. Tell us what to do with our fears. Christians have the antidote for fear. But when we take our eyes off of Christ and look around us at our circumstances, perhaps each other, and we forget about the one who can take away that fear, we fall prey to fear itself. We need more than anything else today in this time, in this moment, uh, a faith that conquers fear. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and lift up our hearts to him and our prayer requests for our families. For our neighbors, our friends, for our country, our nation, the world, the circumstances that are happening to us, even today, we may be working, we may not be able to be working, and we just need to lift each other up, including our church, that we won't fall prey to fear ultimately, but we'll be strong in telling others about Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Our gracious heavenly father, we know that you are the sovereign God who controls the universe. You know all about this virus and you understand why it's here. And we look to you to give us strength and encouragement. We look to Jesus to help us conquer our fears and to continue to live and go through these times of being sheltered at home with kindness and compassion and love, that we can lift each other up and encourage them and look honestly toward the time when we can come out and join each other together in worship here at our church. We long for that. We ought to have a real deep, earnest longing to come together in worship, and we look forward to that time when we can. But right now, as we're in our homes, as we're watching, we pray that you will just encourage us and strengthen us and give us freedom from fear and a faith that can conquer it, a faith that wards it off, a faith that just is so great that other people will be amazed at our, our uh, comfort, our concern, our calmness, the lack of anxiety in our hearts as we look forward to the future because we know, Father, you own the future, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we trust in him. We thank you for all of these wonderful blessings and the joys that you've given to us. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, David, the King David, David, the son of Jesse, the, the, the ruler of Israel, the king of, of Judah and Israel, wrote a number of Psalms, and In one of those psalms, Psalm 27, the very first six verses, David understood all about the need for a faith that conquers fear. We have fears out there, especially in this time, but life itself presents us with certain things to be afraid of, certain questions, certain inconsistencies, certain mysteries, things unknown that we just don't know what to do with, and yet David gave us a little bit of a recipe here in these six verses to help us understand the kind of faith that we can have in Jesus Christ. The kind of faith as believers, as Christians, that is an antidote for fear that can help us ward off fear and conquer fear. And he gave this information to us in Psalm 27. We could say that Psalm 27 in verses 1 and 3, 1, one through 3 and, and 4 through 6 inclu- uh, include this soliloquy, if you will, this statement of David on fear. And then verses 7 through 12 contain David's prayer and then the conclusion uh, to the psalm in verses 13 and 14. But we're going to look at the very first six verses and talk about how we can have the same kind of faith that David is talking about, is sharing with us and how to do that. This is David's testimony from his own experience. It's not boasting, uh, but it is exalting in God, a God who never slumbers or sleeps, but keeps us and protects us from all evil. This is what he says. Follow along with me as I read Psalm 27. I'm going to be reading in the Christian Standard Bible but it's pretty much similar in all the other versions in the translations. And of course, uh, verse 1 is fairly famous. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, whom shall I dread? When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple, for he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. And may God bless the reading of his word. I'm going to say two things here. Uh, About the faith that is the antidote for fear And they are found in verses 1 through 3 and 4 through 6 Each of these have three aspects to them And I want to remind us as David shares this with us That we can apply this to our hearts And apply this to our circumstances as well In other words, This is where scripture becomes an instruction book for life. And David, who was the ancestor of of the Messiah, he was the father of the Messiah, the one who would come. He points in many of the Psalms to the Messiah, and that Messiah is the one who helps us do this as David looked to the Lord for help and for encouragement First of all, David wants us to understand that this is a faith that wards off fear. It's, it's kind of like a you know a, a talisman. You can you can wear it around and it wards off the fear. The wards off the bad problems, supposedly. But we don't trust in magic like that. We trust in the Lord to do that, and that's exactly what. David is doing he's suggesting almost the exact same thing when the writer of Hebrews said Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever but he changes the order just a little bit so in verse 1 David tells us I have a faith and of course we need to have a faith that is trusting God right here and right now this is what he says The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, whom shall I dread? That little word there, that little verb there, is, implies the present. David isn't trusting in his mighty men in his army, even in his ability, his prowess as a a warrior. He's not trusting in any alliances that he may have made with other kings. He's not trusting in any other thing except in God. And this is a tremendous statement of faith. We have to have a statement of faith. We have to come in the days like today, in these times, to say, Here is my salvation. Here is my stronghold. How can any fear or any dread assail and conquer that stronghold? He has a faith that trusts God right now and right today. And we have to have that same kind of faith. We have to be able to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to recognize that the Lord is my light, that he is my deliverer, my salvation, that he is my stronghold, the place where I would go and feel safe because that's where God is with me. The faith that trusts God has to be a faith that is a present faith here and now. You have to be able to seek it to the extent to say, right now, right here, I'm trusting the Lord. You have to affirm that. It has to be your statement of faith. Secondly, though, the faith that trusts God, that is the antidote of fear, is a faith of yesterday as well. Not just today, but it remembers the things in the past. The way God acted, the way God responded, what God did for us, what God took care, how God took care of us. David comes into us in verse two in this psalm of conquering fear, the faith that conquers fear. He said in verse two, when evildoers came against me, that's in the past tense. That's in the past tense, the past tense. David remembers when he went into battle, his enemies came against him to devour him, to to destroy him, his foes and his enemies, according to verse two, stumbled and fell. They didn't win. They didn't carry the day. David was strong because God fought for him. And David here in verse 2 is reminding those who read this psalm that they can pick out a time when God did something in the past for them and recognize that not only is faith that conquers fear or wards off fear right now in the present, but it was present in in the past. Can you think of that? Present in the past. It was there in the past. And now it's here. So. This is what God has done for us. Do you have a blessing, a promise that God fulfilled for you? Can you put a little monument up there and say, this is my stone of help? This is when God came, my Ebenezer, when God came and helped me. I remember that time fondly because that's where God did that for me. And that helps my faith because God did it then and he's doing it now. And then guess what David says, God will do it in the future. And he does this in verse three in a really interesting way. It says in the Christian standard Bible, though an army deploys against me and though a war breaks out against me, but in the Hebrew Bible, these are really kind of questions These these are actually conditional sentences. David says, if an army should deploy against me. That's future. If it would, although it would, or though it would, if it would, my heart will not be afraid. And then he says, if, because there are two ifs here, and your Bible translation might have that word, if. If a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. Now, this is interesting because he says, I will not be afraid. It's the same word that's used up in verse one about who, whom shall I fear? Who will I be afraid of? But then he says, I will still be trusting. And that's an active participle, which means it's ongoing. He in the future will continue to trust God. It's something that happens and continues. It doesn't end. It's ongoing. So David knows that the faith that can ward off fear is one that recognizes the character of God, that he's right here and now in the present helping us. He was in the past helping us. And guess what? We can trust in the future that he's going to help us. So this this virus thing that's going on, Well, God was there in the past taking care of Providence Baptist Church. How old is the church? It's been here a good long time. And even though now we're in the future and and for once we're actually struggling a little bit about the ability to meet our freedom to come. And I've actually heard of some states fining and, and arresting and taking people who are trying to go and exercise their freedom of religion But even though this circumstance is happening now, I believe just as God put this church here, he has a purpose for it now. And we don't have to think that it's going to end now because there is a future. David wasn't afraid in the present. He wasn't afraid in the past. He isn't afraid now because he is trusting, holding on to God knowing that God will take care of us in the future. And that is the kind of faith that wards off fear. It doesn't even let fear get a toehold in the door because there will never be a time when God isn't there for us. God is an always kind of God. He is the God who is there tomorrow for us. In World War II, a chaplain stationed in the Solomon Islands when the Japanese repeatedly bombed the Marines and sailors during the dark days of the Pacific conflict. This chaplain wrote home to his church, and this is what he said In hundreds of conversations in foxholes and dugouts, in blackout rooms and sick bays, in boats and in jeeps, I have come to a strange conclusion, although I would say it's not too strange. But this is what he said. Men with Christian faith are able to hope and men without faith are not. See, we have a hope that lies within us. And that hope is the fact that we have Jesus yesterday, today and tomorrow. Today, we're holding on to Jesus. Yesterday, we held on to him. And tomorrow, we have to hold on. We have to trust We don't have to be afraid because we have that kind of savior, that kind of God who gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And you and I can come and hold on to Jesus as Jesus holds on to us. We might need to be patient during this time. We may need to encourage each other during this time, but we know that we can trust in the Lord for whatever may come of the future. But David wasn't finished there. It's one thing to to ward off fear, not to worry about it, to ward off fear. But it's another thing to have the kind of faith that triumphs over fear or conquers fear. And that kind of faith is strong and deep and spiritually powerful because it begins to understand that there is nothing absolutely positively no circumstance, no individual, no thing at all that can conquer the Lord Jesus Christ, that can do what God doesn't want, and God can help us have that kind of faith in him that always, always triumphs over fear. Now, David said three things here as well. And by thinking these three things in the context of our Christian faith, we also can understand how we can have a faith that is deeply spiritual, that conquers fear. Because sometimes, you know, we're afraid of being afraid. You know, that's true. Jesus said, when the man asked him, that said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief he was being honest, saying, I do believe, but I'm human and I'm afraid of not believing. You know, we sometimes are afraid of fear. And we want to worry and we want to carry that fear, but we can triumph over that kind of fear that seems to just dig at us and it seems to just eat away at our faith. And David shared this kind of faith that is deep and powerful in the things that he suggests here in verses four through six. Again, there's one point for every one of these verses. The first thing David did is to tell us about the report of a prayer, a desire, a petition that he had with God. He said, first of all, he wanted to connect with God, to dwell with God, to have that intimate relationship with God that occurs in being together with God. He said, I've asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire. And this is what he said. He actually says three things there. He wants to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. Now, for you and I, David, I don't think we mean here that we have to go to a church and put up a tent and live there, You know, move in. I don't think that's what David is, is really meaning either. But he's meaning the ability to go and worship the Lord. You see, David had only the tabernacle. David didn't have the house of the Lord, but he wanted to have the house of the Lord and he wanted to be able to live there. That was his desire because he desired an intimate relationship with God. The Bible tells us that when when David was a young man, the Holy Spirit fell on him and remained on him. When we come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to us and remains in us. Now, of course, it all depends on how we treat the Holy Spirit. We can ignore it and, re- and, and push it aside, grieve the Holy Spirit. We can do all these things to make the Holy Spirit just burdened and overwhelmed by our rejection of walking with the Lord. If we know the Lord, though, the Holy Spirit is always pressing, always saying... You can have a deeper relationship with Jesus. This deeper relationship can come by connecting with God. And when Jesus came into our heart, he said to us that he's with us always. We have the very presence of God. We don't have to move into a, a, a temple or a church building. Because the church building is a place where we worship. That's not where God is, per se. God was in the temple in Jerusalem and. And and Solomon helped build that temple. David longs for that relationship. But you know what? When we have Jesus, we have that relationship. He's with us always. Either we accept that relationship or we ignore it. And it depends on whether we yield our hearts to the Lord Jesus, yield our hearts to the power and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means when I think of dwelling with the Lord, walking with him, living with him, letting him guide us and direct us through the power of the Holy Spirit. David said that he wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. He wanted to gaze upon the beauty of God to ponder the awesomeness of God, the holiness of God, the amazing nature of God. You know, we have a holy God. We serve an awesome God. He's marvelous. He's wonderful. There's nothing too hard for him. He is so amazing. And David wants to gaze on the beauty to see him, almost to have visions of God in His who he is and his revelation of, of him. In Jesus Christ, you and I can see the Father because if we've seen Jesus, we can see, we've seen the Father. We understand Jesus and his love for us. We can understand the awesomeness of the character of God by reading and studying his word and learning from the Bible who God is and how he takes care of his people and how he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and the joy that we can have by walking with God, with his son Jesus Christ. David said that he wanted to seek him in his temple He wanted to understand that God was in his temple. Now, Jesus and Paul later tell us, Paul tells us that if Jesus said, if we've seen him, we've seen the father. Paul later tells us that the body, his body, meaning the church, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the more we come together in worship, the more we study the word of God together, the more we Learn about God and about Jesus Christ. The more we have an intimate relationship with Him, the more we are able to seek Him, inquire of Him, ask Him. Have you taken the time recently to say, Lord, should I do this? Lord, should I do that? What would you have me to do, Lord? What would your will be for me, Lord? That's what David is saying, a, a, a fear. Uh, A faith that conquers any kinds of fear is a faith that is based on this kind of intimacy. If your faith is to grow and be strong, then become intimate with God. Seek him, gaze upon him, read the word of God, ask the Holy Spirit to explain it, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand how to respond in every given circumstance of life and whatever you might face That's what David is saying. He wants to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, all the days of his life. He doesn't want to depart from God's presence. He wants God always to be with him, and he wants to be with God. We have that in Jesus Christ. Oh, how sad it is to turn our backs on our Savior and to ignore the pleadings of the Holy Spirit. To teach us how to walk faithfully and obedient to Jesus Christ. If you want a faith that conquers fear, then get connected with God. That's what David is saying here. Secondly, in verse 5, he tells us that if we want to have a faith that conquers fear, that we'll learn to find our security, our stronghold, our rest in God himself. In verse 5, four. this is important, for, he says there, for, for he, meaning God, will conceal me in his shelter. When I seek to be connected to him, God turns around and conceals me, literally hides me in his tent, in his own lodging. He takes me and he welcomes me in there and he covers me uh, under his tent And he exalts me on a rock. He does all of this, as it says here in verse 5, in the day of adversity. The kind of faith that conquers fear. The kind of faith that is more powerful than fear itself is the kind that trusts God for security and for safety and for rest. It isn't trying to figure out what strategy I'm going to use, what I can get them to do, what kinds of steps needed to be taken. It's just running to God, running to Jesus and trusting him. He will conceal me in his in his booth, David says, you got to trust that God will conceal you. He'd hold on to you. And you will be protected by him. Eventually he will exalt you. He will make you to be high on a rock. Verse 6 talks about this as well. But here's the point. If you want security. You want the kind of faith that conquers all fear. Then run to Jesus. Run to him. Seek him. There was a a gentleman who wrote a book. I think he was a priest in some faith. It was supposed to be a Christian faith. And the title of the book was, Are You Running With Me, Jesus? I thought that was a kind of an odd title to a book. Are You Running With Me, Jesus? That's like saying, Jesus, are you my co-pilot? I don't think that's quite biblically sound. The question should be not, Jesus, are you running with me? But it should be, Jesus, am I running with you? Am I running with you, Jesus? Have I diverted off the path in the wrong way and I missed the way you were going? Am I still catching up? I'm still there with you? Are you leading me to make sure that we find our security in Jesus and our help in Jesus? The interesting thing is, that Jesus should be our pilot. I don't really want to be the pilot of my plane. I don't know how to fly. And if I did, I wouldn't be very good at it. So I want someone who knows. I want someone who's experienced. There's an old country hymn Jesus, Savior, pilot me. I heard years ago. Let Jesus be the pilot. Seek his security. Go seek shelter in his stronghold, in his tent in his shelter. And you know what? He will then put you up on a rock so high, none of the enemies will ever, ever be able to reach you there. This is the kind of faith that conquers fear. It's the kind of faith that triumphs over fear. It triumphs over fear because we have a connectedness with God, a deep spiritual intimacy that we have sought To allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us. And secondly, we are willing to take up residence in the house of God. In other words, we're willing to seek our security and our rest in Jesus. Not in Oprah, not in Dr. Phil, not in money, not in possessions, not in any secret little kind of meaning of life, but in Jesus Christ himself. When we find Jesus, we find true rest and hope. And we have a faith that conquers fear. Fear never rears its ugly head to rule us or to have power over us. But when we're with Jesus Christ, we can trust in him. And we have that kind of faith that conquers fear, that triumphs over fear. Finally, in verse 6, David says he actually comes along and says that there's an assertion to what that will help him do. Because the kind of faith that triumphs over fear is one that is a faith of action. You see, we sometimes think that our faith is inaction. It's a place where we have to be there. But David says, you know, that kind of faith... That triumphs over fear is one that is bold, that is open, that is done and does things that lets other people know about it. Not in a way looking at me and how great I am with my faith, but it's quietly doing the things that lifts up Jesus Christ, that exalts our sovereign God and tells the world that there is hope in him. Listen to what David says in verse six. Then, After all this, he said, I have asked one thing, that I dwell in the Lord. I have a connectedness with him, that I will find rest in his shelter. Then he says, at that point, as my faith has deepened, then he says, my head will be exalted on high. Not because we're important about wanting to be number one or top of the heap king of the mountain. That's not what David says here. He says that God in his strategies will lift him up because David is trusting in him and his enemies will be left down behind him. His enemies will stumble and fall and God will lift him up above his enemies. It's not that David is only interested in winning out over his enemies in being the chief and the king. But he's trusting in the God who will protect him, who will have a connection with him. And that God will lift him up and make all of the activities, all of the efforts, all of the evil of his enemies to come to nothing. Because God will lift him up. God will lift him up above his enemies all around him. Then he says here, then Let me offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. Let me sing and let me make music to the Lord. See, that's the kind of active faith that is the result of trusting in God, having a connectedness with God, being in God's house and going to God's security, not the security of somewhere else. That's the kind of faith that gives you the opportunity to show people that Jesus Christ has conquered all our fears and given us a faith that even in the midst of difficult days is still one where you go and offer your offering to God with joy, with shouts of joy, not with murmurings and oh, woe is me, but shouts of joy where you're able to bring yourself who you are. uh, Paul said to present ourselves as living sacrifices, which is reasonable unto the Lord. We come and we present ourselves to the Lord and we shout with joy, we sing with praise. We're able to lift up the name of God and sacrifices of victory shouts that are in his temple. We are to sing these praises so that everybody hears. Do you understand what that means? That means that the faith that conquers fear is a faith that is vocal. It's out there. It shares thanks and gratitude and love and offerings to the God who gives us this kind of faith that conquers all fear. David is able to go and to praise God because he believes without a shadow of doubt that the Lord is his light and his strength. It is the Lord who is the stronghold of his life. So who should he fear? Who should he dread? No one else. Someone once told the story of a relative of President Woodrow Wilson. That's a long, long time ago, who served in World War I as an ambulance driver. During one all-night engagement with the enemy, bombs and mortar shells began crashing all around his ambulance when he was near the front. This relative of President Wilson said that he began to fear But at that moment, he remembered singing the very first verse of Psalm 27 at church. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? As soon as he remembered those words, his fear left him and he did his duty. And the next morning he was decorated for bravery. See, Jesus is our light and our salvation. He's the strength and the power of our life, or at least he should be. This is the important thing. John 14, one through six tells us not to let our hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in Jesus. Jesus promised his presence to us. This is how to develop this kind of faith that conquers all fear, that triumphs over fear, that wards off fear, is to have a personal relationship, first of all, with Jesus Christ. Have you confessed your sin and repented your sin and sought Jesus as your Lord and Savior? David said he's going to go to the house of the Lord. So go find Jesus. Grab a hold of him. Connect with him. When you do this, you're able to develop a strong spiritual faith that can take care of anything that the world or the evil one throws at us. Learn all you can about Jesus. Connect with him. Go to worship, to Bible study, to prayer meeting. Study to be a good and faithful disciple and a committed one. And when you do that, your faith grows and strengthens, and it begins to be able to protect you and to conquer your fear of all of the future and all of here and now connect with God through serious prayer. You know, we need to learn how to pray. Most people don't know how to pray. We used to hold hands around in a circle down in Tennessee where I went to college and pray and and then somebody was supposed to pray cuz you'd go one after the other and they say, "I beg to be pardoned." Well, why should we ever be begged to be pardoned from prayer? I can't see that we should ever want not to pray even to pray out loud. It's like talking to me and to you. Just talk to God and say, Lord, I love you. Can't you even say that? Lord, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. We should always say that kind of prayer. But we need to start learning some serious prayer, taking time to pray with the Lord, to pray to the Lord and to walk with him and to to just connect with him. And then finally, I think if you want to really develop this kind of faith that conquers all fear, the faith that gives you triumph in life and triumphs over fear, I think you need to learn to give the Lord Jesus the right to work through you, to learn the skill that is necessary in exercising your faith, not you doing it, but learning how Jesus wants us to do it, What kind of character does Jesus want us to have? What kind of actions does Jesus want us to do in relationship with others and the things that we do in our hearts and our minds? What kind of believer does Jesus want us to be? I would say that there's an exact connection between that kind of faith where we give our hearts to Jesus Christ and the deepening of our faith that kind of faith that conquers all fear. I believe that's what God would have us to do. We're going to be finishing up here our service in just a minute as our musicians come, as Brother Randy and, and Brother Stephen come, but as they sing, and and as part of your uh, the invitation and part of your response, what I'd like for you to do is, is to say, Lord, I want... I want to give my heart to you. I want to give myself to you. I want you to begin to work in me the kind of deepening faith that conquers fear. They'll come and lead us in singing.